God, this is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and let us be exceedingly glad. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and let us be exceedingly glad. Man, good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome, welcome, welcome to Kingdom Encounter Live, aka Ignite to Life. We want to thank you for joining us this morning. I know that some of y'all are still shaking off all those uh, chestnuts roasted on the open fire. Jack Frost was nipping at your nose. Some of y'all were struggling with eggnog. Some of y'all still got on your onesies. But man, the greatest thing I want to hope that you did yesterday was you celebrated with us about the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We celebrate Christ. That's what Christmas is all about. A celebration of Christ. Christ, the Son of God the true and living God in the name of Jesus. We talked about yesterday about how God, when God gave Jesus, he gave us the gift that just keeps on giving. Jesus was born thousands of years ago, but he still today is still given the greatest gift of all. So I want to thank you for joining us yesterday. If you didn't have an opportunity to check out the, the message on yesterday, I encourage you to go back and look at it, check it out. Man, it answers a whole lot of questions puts a whole lot of things to, to, to silence, ends a whole lot of debates, man, at the end of the day, we're going to walk in love with people, not being in contention with them, we're going to walk in love, so we definitely not going to be debating, well, is Jesus born on the 25th, you know, why do, Why are we celebrating Christmas anyway, you can celebrate Christmas any day of the week, it, it can be any day, any day, because all you're doing is celebrating the fact that Christ was born, and we thank God for that in that so we're going to pick up today. We're not going to be with you very long, so we're going to pick up today. Uh, kind of where we left off yesterday, but man, God, he told me this. He told me, he says, I want you to exhort my people. I want you to encourage my people and give them this message from me for your best is yet to come. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, your best is yet to come. Turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, your best is yet to come. Now, look at yourself and say, hey, I want to let you know right now. Your best is yet to come. Your best is yet to come. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. God told me to remind you, your best is yet to come. He said to tell you this, your best, your best is yet to come. Because God says this. He told me to give you this word in the course of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. That we are confident in this one thing, that he which begun a good work in us will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? The one who began the good work in you, he will continue it until the day of Christ Jesus. The day that Jesus pierces you, that's God. He's going to continue the work that he started in you. And can I tell you, we all still got some work that needs to be done in us in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Now, if I was to give this message a title, I'd give this message the title of the greatest gift of all. He gave us the greatest gift of all. Now, I'm going to make this declaration, and then we're going to jump right into the word right now in the name of Jesus. Are you ready? Here we go. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captive, to open in the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, a day of vengeance of our God, and to comfort all who mourn, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for men, and the garment of praise. For the spirit of heaven is that they might be called the trees of righteousness, but planted under the Lord that he might be glorified. Hallelujah. And he says that they shall build the old waste, and they shall 
raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the waste cities, the desolation of many generations. Now, Father in heaven, we give you glory, honor, and praise, and thank you for this opportunity in your word. Father, we thank you that our preacher and teacher will not be with Tyson Word and Lily Gleason, but Father, we, we declare that it will be a demonstration of spirit and power, that the faith of people lie not in the wisdom of man, but in the power of Almighty God. Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. That we've covered it with the miracle signs, wonders, manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit as you see fit. All of you and one of me. Let my tongue be the pen of a ready writer, writing the very oracles of your word on the tables of their heart. Father, I declare in the name of Jesus that you have given us all ears to hear. You have given us eyes to see. And our hearts are open and ready to receive the encrafted word of God that will alter and change our lives forever. For that, we give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name. Let us all say amen. So glory to God in Jesus' name. We pray amen. That, that word amen means so be it. In other words, whatever it is I just prayed for, when I say amen, I'm saying Lord, so be it. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to tell you about it with Ignite. Ignite, our whole mandate is this, is to take you from a flicker to a flame, to take your life from a flicker to a flame. It is in, of course, the second Timothy chapter 2, Verse number one, and I'm going to share this with you this morning, says this. It says in verse six, it says, this is why I would remind you to stir up, rekindle the embers of, of and flame, fan the flames of, and keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that is in you by means of the land of my hands with those of the elders at the ordination. So our, our mandate is for those who were once on fire for God, those who have who have, have had a relationship with God, but life has happened. And everybody has had life happen to you at some point in time. Jesus even said in, in John chapter 16, I believe it's verse 32, he says, in this life, you will have tribulation. He said, but cheer up, be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. So in this life, you have an opportunity to have tests, trials, and tribulations, but cheer up, be of good cheer, because Jesus has already caused you to overcome the world. And what our responsibility is, is to help you to do just that. We help to rekindle the embers of, and fan the flame and to keep burning the gracious gift of God, the inner fire that's inside of you. So every time you hear a message, a prophetic message through this ministry, or you hear a, a, um, a uh, prophetic message or a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, or, or tongues, interpretation of tongues, every time you hear that what you're hearing is something that's going to, is, is designed to re- uh, rekindle the fire that's on the inside of you. It's to fan the flame that's on the inside of you. And it's also to help you to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. You want to know why? Because in trying times like this, it's easy for people to cave in, give up, and quit. But when we stir up the gift of God that's on the inside, when we exhort you to do your best to become all that God has called you to be, it begins to stoke your fire. It begins to fan your flame. It begins to rekindle the fire that's on the inside of you. And as a result, it gets, helps you to get right back in the race. Because in times like this, you a lot of people are giving into fear. And people are giving it into intimidation. And people are getting burdened down with concerns and worries. And God told me to tell you this morning, he says, I did not give you a spirit of timidity, of cowardice, or of cravings and cringing 
and frowning in fear. God says, I did not give you a spirit of fear. I didn't give you a spirit of intimidation. I didn't give you a spirit that's going to cause you to cower back and back down and give up and cave in and quit. He says, well, God says, but I have given you a spirit of power. I'll give you a spirit of love and I've given you a sound mind, a well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. In other words, God says, even though test trials and tribulations are going to be trying to come on you on, earth, on every side, I'm telling you, stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. you Fan those flames that's on the inside of you. Put yourself back and remember what it is God has already said unto you. He says, God, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. I didn't give you a spirit that's going to cause you to be intimidated. I didn't give you a spirit that's going to cause you to want to back up, give up, cave in and quit. But I've given you a spirit of power, of power, of power. He says, of love and of a calm and well-balanced mind and self-control and discipline. You're already equipped to overcome every situation and every circumstance that you come up against. Why? Because God is with you. He told me to also to remind you of this. In accordance to first chapter, the first Corinthians chapter two and verse nine, he told me to tell you this. He says, he says, but on the contrary, as the scripture says, what I has not seen, and ear has not heard and has not entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared, made and keeps ready for those who love him, who hold him in affectionate reverence, promptly obeying him and gratefully recognizing the benefits as, that he has bestowed. It says, God has a great plan for your life. He says this, he says, your eyes have not even seen it. Your ears have not even heard. He says it hasn't even entered into your heart. The things that God already has prepared for those who love him. He, if you're a member of the body of Christ, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. If you're not a member of the body of Christ, he, this is an exhortation to you to let you know, hey, God has a plan for your life. He has things already prepared for your life. And when did he prepare from the foundation of the world? And you ask the question, well, if God has things prepared for me, why haven't I seen it yet? He says this in verse 10, he says, yet to us, those who are in the body of Christ, those of us who have, who have reverently and promptly obeyed him and gratefully recognizing the benefits that he has bestowed upon, those of us who are in right relationship with him, he says, all these things are unveiled and revealed to you through the Holy Spirit. So if you want to know the great things that God has prepared for you, you can find they're all on the inside. They will be revealed to you by the Holy Spirit, which means you have to spend some time in prayer, which means you have to covenant, cultivate your relationship with the Holy Spirit. In other words, you have to get more familiar with God, get more familiar with the things of God, get more familiar with the, with the Holy Spirit who lives and dwells on the inside of you. It says that the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God the divine counsels and things hidden beyond man's stream. In other words, Holy Spirit, I call him the CIA, the Central Intelligent Agent. He is the agent of change and he's the one that helps you to, who leads and guides you into all truth. He teaches you in all things. He brings back to your remembrance all the things of which Christ has said unto you and he shows you those things which are to come. Now, the great thing about God is God says in accordance Isaiah 46 and 10, he declares the end from the very beginning. He declares your end from the very beginning. 
and he did it he's done it with you he's done it with abraham he's done it with gideon he's done it with moses he's done it with david he, he declares the end from the very beginning and he also did it with our lord and savior jesus christ who by far is the greatest gift of all because he's the gift that just keeps on giving you know we used to sing a song when i was growing up as a, as a child in, in the baptist church we used to sing this song you can't beat god's giving no matter how hard you try the more you give the more he gives to you just keep on giving because it's really true you can't beat god's giving no matter how hard you try i tried I mean, I, I, God give me something, man. I, I, I go and I give it, I'll sow it in somebody else's life. Guess what? He gives, he give me more. Guess what? I try, you know, for every, see, I'm sowing, but he's multiplying. Every time I sow, he multiplies my seed that is sown. So every time, so it's, it's going to be, it's going to be impossible for me to ever catch up with it. But I sure, I'm on a mission to try. Every time he gives, I'm, Lord, who do I sow this? Who do I give this to? Who do we bless this with? God says, I want to bless you. I have blessed you to be a blessing. That's the covenant that we have that he made with Abraham. And because we are in Christ, and of course, Genesis, as you were in Galatians chapter three, because we are in Christ, then are we Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. The same promises God made to Abraham are the same promises he's given to us in the name of Jesus. Now, God says, I declare the end from the very beginning. And when we talked about Jesus yesterday, we talked about the mission that Jesus came. He came to restore the kingdom back into right place. He came to restore our authority and our dominion to give it back to us. But he also came to give us peace. It says this in Luke chapter 19 and 10. It says, for the son of man has come to seek, diligently look for, pursue after those who are lost. And when he finds them, what is he going to do? He's going to save them. What does that word say mean? It's sozo, which means to heal. It means to deliver. It means to protect, preserve, to do well, or to make one whole. So it says the Son of Man, talking about the man Jesus, came to seek, diligently look for, pursue after those who are lost so, so that he can heal them, he can deliver them, he can preserve them, he can do them well, and he can make them whole. And why is that important to you or not? Because you got to understand there's a thief out there. You have an adversary. His name is Satan. And but people call him the devil. The devil, again, when we talked about yesterday, it describes what he does. Devil simply means is the Greek word diablo, which means he's a penetrator. What does he try to penetrate you with? He tries to present penetrate your thought process, your mind, will and emotion with his thoughts and his suggestions just like he did with Adam and Eve when they was in the garden. He's trying to always try to throw thoughts, 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 thoughts into your mind, trying to try to introduce a different thought that tries to exalt itself against the word of God. He tries to exalt his, his ways, his theories, his reasonings, his plans above the word of God so that he can cause you, so that he can carry out his MO, which he has three modes that he has. He comes to steal, he comes to kill, and he comes to destroy, according to John chapter 10, verse 10. It says the thief only comes but for to steal, to kill, and destroy. The first thing he's going to try to steal from you, he's going to try to want to steal the word of God from you. And once he steals the word, if he can steal the word of God from you, it can kill your hope and kill your faith. And ultimately, it will cause you to, your life to be destroyed or destroy God's plans that God had for your life. 
but God will never be undone. He will never be undone. In fact, in the same verse, it says, this is what the thief comes. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that you might have life, not just life, but have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. So even though the adversary is trying to come to kill, to steal, kill, or destroy, Jesus says, but I came that you might have life and not just have life, but have life in abundance to the full until it overflows. What kind of life are you talking about? You're talking about the God kind of life where there's nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. So how do you know that God had a plan for you? How do you know that God has great things prepared for you? How do you know that he's only had a select few? One according to Jeremiah chapter one, verse five, it says that God had has a plan for you. He says, before in Jeremiah 1 and 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, knew not only did he know you, but he approved you. So even before God formed you in the womb of your mother, he had already, he already knew you and he had already approved of you as his chosen instrument. And before you were even born, God says, I sanctify or set you apart consecrating you and appointed you as one of his children. He already set you apart. He already had a plan. He already had a purpose. He already had an assignment. He already had a mission for your life. Even No matter how often, how far you think you have gotten off, God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. Can you say amen to that? God still has a plan and a purpose for your life. How do you know? He also says in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. So God never has a negative thought about you. He never has a bad thought about you. He's not sitting up in heaven trying to find out ways he could smash your life. It says that God came and what he, what, he, what he said to you and he said to me and he said to everyone who will hear this message, he says, I have a plan for your life. Before you was formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I approved you. Before you even was was came out of your mom's belly, before you came through the birthday canal into this world, I had already chosen and set you apart for my good plans and my purposes. I have great things prepared for you. I have great things in store for you. I have nothing but good and not evil for you. He says, he says, and I have a future and a hope for you. So even in the midst of everything that's going on, God told me to tell you, he still has a future and he still has a hope for you in the name of Jesus. Now, something that we need to understand with everything that's going on right now, we have the uh, um, um, Omicron uh, variants of the COVID and we take authority over it right now in the name of Jesus and we command it to bow with knee in Jesus' name. Now, some people said, well, God is using this so that he can teach his people a lesson. Or God is, is using this, you know, to test his people, to try his people, to bring, you know, to bring them back in right relationship. I'm, I'm telling you, beyond the benefit of doubt, that is 100% inequitably, without doubt, absolutely wrong and incorrect. God does not use evil to try to teach, train, or, or mold his people. That is not how he operates. You say, how do you know that? Because I'm going to show it to you in his word. Go with me over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. God does not use evil 
sickness or disease, poverty or lack, suffering to try to teach you a lesson. Because what happens if you die before you learn the lesson? What all that's going to do is harden your heart towards God. That is not how God operates. You, we already talked about it. You have an adversary. His name is Satan. He, he is a devil because the way he goes about doing things is using thoughts and tries to set up fortified patterns of thinking or strongholds that try to exalt themselves against the word of God. Arguments, theories, and reasons to try to exalt itself above the knowledge of God to try to make what that what the arguments, theory, and reasoning to try to make it more real than what it is that the word of God has to say. And I'm telling you, God does not use evil to tempt you, neither is God tempted by evil. Okay, let me show it to you in this word. James chapter 1, verse 13 says this. I'm reading out the New American Standard Bible, and it says this Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil. God cannot be tempted by evil. And he himself does not tempt anyone. So first and foremost, God does not is not tempted by evil. Neither does God uh, tempt anyone. So if you're being tempted, it's not by evil. Tempted with evil is not God. But each one is tempted when he or she is carried away and enticed by their own lust or own desires. Then when that desire or an inordinate desire or lust is conceived, it gives birth to sin. Now, did you see there's a process? There is, remember it told you, the adversary uses thoughts and suggestions. So he'll keep suggestion things, suggestion things, suggestion things to you and to you to it that thought is conceived into your into your way of thinking and even though it's conceived you, you may think about it but you still haven't sinned yet see you, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head but you can prevent it from setting up a nest in your hair you can't you temptation is what is always around you even after you may be dead to sin in accordance to first timothy as you were first peter chapter 2 verse 24 dead to sin but alive unto righteousness but it does not mean that sin itself is dead it's still very much alive and the temptation is all around you so but how do you how does temptation take take its form it says what happens is is when we are tempted we are you are carried away and enticed. You're enticed or seduced by your own inordinate desires or cravings. Then when that desire or craving has been conceived, it gives birth to sin, but it's not sin yet. Just because you think about it initially does not make it sin. What happens? And when sin is accomplished or when you act out on what it is that you've been thinking about, because what happens is you get a thought. That thought comes, it's coming, it's coming, and then you begin to meditate on that thought. You haven't done anything yet. You're just thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it. And then when you begin to make provisions for you to carry out that which you're thinking about, that which is enticing you, that which is trying to seduce you or, or draw you away, when you begin to make provisions for, for it to happen, then you are giving place to it. And then the next thing is you act out on it. When sin is accomplished, or when sin is acted out on, then it brings forth death. So don't. So he's saying, do not be deceived, my beloved brother. Every good thing, every good thing given 
and every perfect gift is from above. So every good gift and every perfect gift, it comes from above. See, if you want to figure out if it's God or if it's the devil, if it's good, it's God. If it's evil, it's the devil. Hello, I get right that simple. Glory to God. But don't let the world's good replace God's best. Don't let the world's good, things that you conjure, conjure up through the world, that the world said is good, never will supersede or outdo God's best. Every good thing and every perfect gift is from above and coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the excellence or in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth. So we ended up back in relationship with him by his own will through the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. So the salvation came to you. The gift, the gift that God gave unto us when he, the child was born. When the child was born, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he gave us his son, Christ, the son of the living God. When he gave us those gifts, he gave us those gifts. He gave us that word of truth. He, it was all so that he might make us uh, fruit, uh, a kind of fruit of his creation. In other words, he wanted to reconcile us back into himself, and he did it through his son, Christ Jesus. It says in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, how God has made all things new, and he's reconciled the world back into himself through his son, Jesus Christ. So God is not trying to get something from you. God is always trying to get things to you. And one of the greatest gifts that he ever gave us was through his son, Christ Jesus. Why? Because that is the gift that even still today, is, it just keeps on giving in the name of Jesus. Glory to God. I hope you're getting something out of this in the name of Jesus. Now, if God is not the one who is tempting us as evil, and he's already shown that we are tempted with evil when we're drawn away and enticed of our own desires, of our own lust and everything. What, what is our response supposed to be? We have a, you have an adversary, and the adversary is, is there to try to steal or keep from you the life that Jesus came to get to you. See, God's thing is, I've already I've set life before you. I've already made it available to you. All you have to do is like we did yesterday on Christmas. All you have to do is reach out and receive the free gift. All you have to do is reach out and receive your healing. All you have to do is reach out and receive your deliverance. All you have to do is reach out and receive your wholeness, your salvation, your completeness. It's already made available to you. But you have a thief. You have a thief. In fact, that word still in John uh, chapter 10 is actually where we get the word klepto from. A klepto is a kleptomaniac. They can't help but steal. It's in their nature. They steal for no reason whatsoever. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't even matter the value. It doesn't have to even be something value. It's just something that if they see it, they try to take it. If they see it, they try to take it. And that's what the adversary is trying to do with you and me. If he knows that Jesus came, that you might have life in abundance to the full until it overflows, his job is to try to steal that life-given word 
away from you because he knows if he doesn't get that word away from you, you might produce a result. And if you produce a result, what are you going to do? You're going to go out and tell somebody else about the goodness of God and how God is so good and how God is so kind and how God is so merciful and how God is so loving and how God is so faithful. And you will begin to tell people, and he says, I got to get, I got to stop it before it gets started. How does he do it? He comes to try to steal the word away from you. He's trying to steal and keep from you those good things that God has already prepared for you. He's trying to keep you from walking in that life that God had already ordained for you, though that life of welfare, of good and not of evil, so that you will never reach your future or your expected end. That's his whole MO. He does not care about you. Whether you say it unsaid, his thing is he he is so uh, so stuck up, so stuck in his own mind that he can actually beat God at some point in time. He will outsmart God. He believes that in his mind. It's not that he he repentance was not made available because he won't repent. His pride will never allow him to repent. His pride will never allow him to return to receive. He can't. He is he is full of iniquity. He is full of iniquity. His whole MO is full of iniquity. In fact, if he starts talking to you, you already know he's a lie because there is no truth in him. In fact, it says he's the father of lies. Everything in his nature is lie, 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 lie. It's impossible for him to tell the truth. Why? Because there is no truth in him. So what you, what you need to be aware of, don't take the bait. God has already told us. He says, hey, there's either these trying times. I need you to rekindle the fire that's on the inside of you. Stare up the flame that's on the inside of you. In other words, stare up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Because God says, I didn't give you the spirit of fear, but I gave you a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And I need you to get back in the race. He says, because I have a plan for you. I have great things that I've already prepared for you. They're being revealed to you by my Holy Spirit. I'm telling you that I already had plans for you before you were sworn to your mother's womb. I already have plans for you. And I had already approved of you. And he says, and before you came forth, I had already sanctified you or set you apart. And he's also telling you, he says, my thoughts towards you are good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. But you got to understand when you're being tested and when you're being tempted, when you're being tried, is not by God. God's not sitting up for his living. Watch, watch, watch this. Watch this. Let me watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch what I'm about to do. God does, is not tempted with evil. Neither does he tempt anyone with evil. We talked about this a few weeks ago. What the adversary does is and initially when you try to step out on the word, he begins to resist you. He's trying to resist you and keep you from walking in the things of God. He will actively begin to resist you. But when he realizes he can't get you to stop and he finds out something that you are really, that is really a strong passion in your heart. A strong passion in your heart. See, see, it's not, you can have a desire, but this is talking about an inordinate desire, something that you are, you are totally out of balance with. You're so out of balance with that it's almost become an obsession with you. And it could have been something that started off good. And then you got some result. But now you are, he said, now you have become obsessed with it to the point you have made it an idol. You have made it an idol, which means it's something that, that has, holds a higher place of importance in your life than God. 
And what the adversary would do is at first he started to push you from the front to try to get you to stop. But when he realized he couldn't get you to stop, you know what he did? He just jumped behind you. And now he's pushing you, driving you so far into the thing that you once had a desire, a right desire for, but now it's become an obsession. Now it's become, got to the point of, it's the point of a, idolatry that you are consumed with it so consumed with it that you cannot hear or receive instruction not even when god himself is trying to tell you but he says i'm telling you because from the father love he chastens or he warns or he can correct or he gives instructions so that you don't fall off the cliff he's telling you now i need you to turn because i i'm i'm staring at this gift on it trying to get you to reach there to give the God that's on the inside of you to try to get you to refocus back to the things that God has said, to refocus in right, right balance, to refocus and get back on the vision, the purposes, the plans, the pursuits I have for you from the foundation of the world. God is telling you, don't take the bait. He's telling you, don't take the bait. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 24. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Don't take the bait. Jesus is the gift, the greatest gift of all. He's given, he's come to give you life in abundance to the full, till it overflows. But you can get yourself out of position by taking the bait, by giving yourself over to a, getting obsessed, by being drawn away and enticed by your own desires and your own lust to the point that those things become an idol. It becomes adultery and you're no longer following after the spirit of God. And you're being tossed and driven forward and forward about things that God never told you to do, not in the manner to which you are doing it. In Jesus' name. Now, he says here, don't take the bait. And Jesus is talking to his disciples about what are some of the indicators or signs of your return and signs that we're in the last days and signs that the end of this age is coming. And this is what he said. He says this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 4. He says this. He says, Jesus answered them, be careful that no one misleads you or another way to say deceives you, deceiving you and leading you into error. A lot of the news that you're hearing out here, see, people are so consumed with information that they're no longer receiving revelation because they will allow their information to hold more weight with them than the revelation that God is trying to give you through his word. And he says, I'm trying to show you, I'm trying to tell you, hey. Pump your brakes. Do not be deceived, or uh, or lead you. Let don't let it lead you into error. He says this. He says, for many will come on the strength of my name, appropriating the name which belongs to me, saying, "I am the Christ, the Messiah," and they will miss. They will lead many astray. So you will have a lot of people calling them apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers standing up in somebody's pulpit, standing in somebody's congregation, talking about that what they're saying is not right, and they're leading you the wrong way. Come and follow me. And he's telling you, they will lead you astray. Why? Because they're being thrust for, they're being pushed, they're being driven by their, and enticed by their own lust, their own desires, their own ambitions. He says, he's telling you, don't allow yourself to be led astray. He says, for many, he says, for you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened or troubled. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. 
He says, for nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes and place after place. So he's he's telling you, he's prophesying to you. He's, he's foretelling you all these things are going to come. And he, but he keeps telling you, the one thing he keeps saying to all of us, he says, all this is but the beginning of the early pains of the birthing pains of the intolerable anguish. He says, he says, do not let yourself be troubled. Don't let yourself be troubled. See, that was what was going on with Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Timothy had the church and all kind of people coming against him, and he was crying, and he was fearful, and he was drawn back, and he was being intimidated, and God was telling him, Timothy, the answer to your problem is not to go out and get more information. The answer to your problem is to begin to stir up the gift of God that's already on the inside of you. Fan the flames of the things that is already on the inside of you. Refocus on the gift of God that's already on the inside of you. Don't go and get more information. Don't watch more YouTube videos. Don't listen to more podcasts. Get before God and everything and get refocused. Get locked in. You want to get still. That's what you know. It's interesting. Every time God appeared to someone, the first thing he told him to do was fear not and be still. Fear not. Don't get out of fear and be still. Get quieted in your heart. Get quieted in your mind. Get quieted with your mouth. Get still. And then you will be able to see the salvation or see the deliverance or see the wholeness or see the healing or see the preservation or see yourself being made whole. You will miss all that if you've got all kind of turmoil going on in your head and he's telling you, fear not, be still. Fear not, be still. And he says, and don't let yourself be misled or don't let someone lead you into error. He also goes to say, he says this then, now, what the adversary likes to do, he, he likes to power attack. He powers one thing on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, on top of another, to the point where you, you are so bombarded on every side, you just panic, and you start saying all kind of stuff out of your mouth. God, why did you leave me? You said you weren't going to leave me. You said you weren't saying, why is all this stuff going, blah, 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 blah. What did he say? Then they will hand you over to suffer affliction and tribulation and put you to death and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake so he's telling you beforehand all these things are going to happen you're going to have all these things happen to you externally all these afflictions all this persecution all is all external afflictions is external test trials and tribulations persecutions is by other people where does that come from externally famines wars earthquakes all that stuff is external 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 He's telling you all those things are going to be on the outside trying to get and they're on the outside and trying to make, find a way on the inside of you so they can get you into fear, so they can get you into intimidation, so they can get you to cower down, back up, cave in and quit. But God said, stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you, for I've given you the greatest gift of all. I've given you my son, Jesus Christ. I've given you life. I've given you hope. I've given you peace. I have my Holy Spirit, the CIA, who's on the inside of you. He says, so begin to stir up that gift of God that's on the inside of you in the name of Jesus. He says this. He says, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many, because many will give in to the affliction because many will give into the 
persecution because many were given to the persecution and the fact that they're going through all these test trials and tribulation. If God was supposed to get me so good, why is all this stuff going on? I'm just, I'm just fed up with it and everything. And this is what they will say. And he says, and many will be offended. You know what the word offended means? Scandalized. They will be trapped. They will become trapped. I'm, because I'm in offense, I'm trapped. I'm trapped in my emotions. I'm trapped in this situation. I'm trapped in all this. I'm offended. And then it says, and they, not only will they become offended, but they will also be repelled and we begin to distrust and they will begin to desert him who they ought to trust and obey. What will people begin to do? They will begin to repel and run away from God. Can you believe that? They will begin to turn away from God. And then this is what he also says. They will turn away from God and they will begin to stumble. They will, just, they will begin to stumble. They will fall away. They will betray one another and pursue one another with hatred. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive and lead many into error. And the love of the great body of people, the great body of Christ will begin to grow cold. Their love, because of all the afflictions you're seeing it going on, and people's love will grow cold. And people will begin to repel, and they will turn away. They will become offended with God, run away from God, even though the word has already said every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from the Father. They will run from the very source that was sent to him. Jesus came to give you life in abundance to the full and to the overflow. But if you get offended because of everything that's going on around you, if you don't make the decision to stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you, to rekindle the fire, to go from a flicker to a flame, if you don't remember the fact that he already has a purpose and a plan for your life, then you will give in to all the test trials and tribulations going on around you. You can become offended and you can turn your back on the very one who is there. God is never your problem. He's always your solution. He's always your solution. He's also always your solution. So what did, will we do? He says, for those who endure to the end, they will be saved. They will see the healing, the deliverance, the wholeness, the completeness. And he also says, this good news of the gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. So what is our responsibility when test trials and tribulations come up? We stare up the gift that God is on the inside of us. We put ourselves back in remembrance of the things that he has already said. We remember that God is never our problem. He's always our solution because every good gift, every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. And he also says you have an adversary who's there to try to come to steal, to kill, and to destroy your life. And he will use famines and earthquakes and wars and all kind of persecutions and afflictions and tribulations coming against you to get you to do the one thing his whole MO is to get you to do, to distrust God and to turn and run away from him. And you begin to act just like the world with hatred and bitterness, with offense. And you will raise up your own leaders and raise up your own teachers to try to follow after who go in total opposite of what it is God says to do. But Jesus came to reestablish the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God's way of th doing things is what we are to lean upon. And the kingdom of God will be preached throughout the entire earth. Now, what is, what is it? Jesus is the greatest gift of all. Why? Because it's the gift that just keeps on giving. At this time, I want to give you an opportunity to receive that free gift 
And it's, just, it's, mm. simple, it's the simplest mm. thing you can do. And it's simply in accordance to Romans chapter 10, verses 8, 9, and 10. It reads as follows. It says this with me. It says, the word of God is near me in, in your heart and in your mouth. That's the word of faith which we preach. That if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But with the mouth man believe, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So say this prayer with me. Confess it out of your mouth, meaning from your heart, and you'll receive that gift today, that greatest gift that just keeps on giving. Say this with me, dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I do believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe he died for me on the cross and carried my burdens for me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. I turn from sin. I'm sorry, Lord. I receive your offer of forgiveness. I receive your healing. I receive salvation. I receive preservation. I receive this free gift. I receive your love right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I want to welcome you back into the kingdom, welcome you into right relationship with God, welcome you back into right position. So what do you do next? Well, you got to get in a good word-based church. We believe Ignite is that type of church. So if you're in the Greeley area and you're around on Sunday mornings, we'd like to welcome you to join us at 9.30 a.m. But stay tuned for upcoming announcement about our service times and dates. Also, we want to make sure that if you're not in our local area, hey, you can watch us online or look in your area and look for a church that teaches about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, about the love of God, and about the kingdom of God. Now, on behalf of Minister Joanne and myself and the entire Ignite Depot Nation, I want to thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Bye-bye.